Hey, everybody, you are listening to the Accelerate Performance Lab podcast, hosted by Accelerate's Director of Experimental Science and Social Media Manager, Riley Witt. You are about to hear from some of the world's leading experts in sports performance and human optimization. From elite scientists to world-class coaches, this is the place to be to accelerate your performance. So, as always, sit back, buckle up, enjoy the ride. Here we go. Welcome back to another episode of the Accelerate Performance Lab podcast. Today I have a fascinating conversation for you in terms of coaching, athlete development, and the impact that innovative training methods can have on your performance. Our guest today, Mike Gedemi, is a passionate educator, a dedicated coach, and a true advocate for athletic excellence. He's been teaching physical education, coaching cross-country, track, and strength and conditioning at Ankeny Centennial High School since 2018. He's coached at a few other schools like Gilbert and Pella as well. But beyond these titles, Mike's journey is one of evolution and adaptation in the world of coaching. Today, we're going to be discussing Mike's unique journey, focusing on his coaching philosophy and how it's undergone a remarkable evolution thanks to his collaboration with Accelerate and our metabolic testing. We'll explore the pivotal moments and mentors Mike's had to shape his own coaching philosophy and the insights he's gained from working with Accelerate and how these experiences has translated into fueling athletic success on and off the track. I hope you guys enjoy this conversation with Mike Getemi. See, we've been talking here for a little bit and I'm like, okay, we should probably hit record because we're, we're, we're spitting some gems that I don't want to miss here. But I was scrolling through Instagram the other day and saw that you posted, you just got your second master's. Is that correct? Yeah, from uh, the school you're currently at. So we're we were kind of classmates for a while there. Right. Yeah. So I I went I went back to back. I just got two master's degrees back to back. So that's I, that's wild. Two yeah. masters, <laughs> like the best school in the nation, right? That's <laughs> right. Yeah, my graduation was uh, quick and easy, over in like seventy five minutes. That's crazy. So, what were the degrees in? Can we ask? Yeah, the first one's in physical education at Al, so the same as my content area. And the second one was curriculum and instruction. So potentially it could open a door down the road if I want to take like a district level job or, you know, some sort of administrative level job um, if I aspire to do that in the in the future, which no, you know, immediate aspirations to do that. I'm still really connected to kids and really enjoy working with kids, but maybe down the line, you know, 40s, 50s years old, maybe explore those options. Right. And your undergraduate was education? Uh, technically, kinesiology and health. Uh, but the way Iowa State does that degree, you can get your physical education teaching license with it. So that's the room. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of cool. So now you coach, you know, strength and conditioning and stuff. Have you always known that you wanted to do that? Or what was your like previous aspirations? Well, that could be a whole other podcast in itself. But <laughs> yeah, we got time. We got time. Oh, it, it is so much time. Uh, it kind of starts back at high school, and I, I won't go there. I thought I wanted to be a business teacher. I love my business classes at high school: accounting, sports marketing, marketing, all those classes. Um, was going to go to U and I because they have a business education program. Last minute, decided not to, and that's also about the same time I got into like working out myself and really enjoy fitness. I thought PE was a good avenue to take, and signed off the program at Iowa State. And the rest is history. Okay, so fitness, what was the transition? You were just like, okay, business is cool, but I like I like moving big weights and stuff. So yeah. transition. How how did that work? 
So in high school, I was never big into lifting weights, never really big into fitness. Um, you know, I got high school in 2011. It's kind of before I was a distance runner and distance swimmer. So that's kind of before either one of those groups got into the weight room. Um, and so then I went and swam in college for a real brief moment at Iowa Lakes Community College up in Northwest Iowa. And then when I was done doing that, um, decided to pick up weightlifting because I'd never really done it before. And so, you know, a lot of guys get into weightlifting because somebody broke their heart along the line. So I got, it, <laughs> got, into weight, got into weightlifting and I guess the rest is history. It was actually a New Year's resolution. It was January 7th, 2020, 2013. So No way. And then you know, blew up. I'm, I just have to on Instagram, kind of stocking your profile before this podcast because I wanted to do some research on who I'm going to be sure. interviewing. But yeah, blew up. You got huge. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah. And I actually, I really don't post on Instagram. I actually delete the app all the time and I'll like re, I'll re-download it to like make a post and I'll delete the app again. What's the reason behind that? I just, with, with so many things that I got going on with teaching, coaching, and then the other job that I also have, it just too much time spent on social media that I could be doing bettering myself in those other areas. Yeah. So you got into lifting, then you were like, okay, I would like to pursue this and help people do that. So you became a strength coach and strength teacher, really. Did the like running position just open up? You're like, okay, that'd be kind of a cool second thing to work on. Or why did you decide to start coaching running? So when I got to Iowa State, got to that deal with some people that really kind of transformed my life. And the first one was Kent Henderson, still one of my best friends. He started coaching as a freshman in college, and he was like coaching at Gilbert High School as a basketball coach and a track coach. At that time, I really wasn't planning on coaching. Um, and if I was going to coach, I thought I was going to be swimming. Never would have thought I'd coach cross country. I uh, wasn't a great cross country runner myself. I only ran for two years of high school. Thought maybe I'd coach track down the road, but no certain aspirations to do it. So anyway, he was coaching track. He talked me into it. So the winter before that spring, I went and got my coaching authorization my sophomore year of college. And then hopped on the middle school track staff at Gilbert Middle School as a volunteer coach. Fast forward through the summer, there was an opening on the on the high school boys at Gilbert track or cross country staff, and I applied and graciously got the job from Coach Thomas, who was willing to let a young, inexperienced college kid, you know, join the staff. When I'm sure he had other good applicants in the pool, but saw something to me, and he was a great mentor for the two, three years I was there. So you were coaching in college, so you're still taking classes and stuff. How'd you manage your time? Yeah, that was actually, that was the best. I look back on that time and wish I had a schedule. Like, like those college schedules are great, right? I always enjoyed early morning classes. So I took the earliest classes I could get, which were usually 8 a.m.s. And so I was done with all my classes around 2, 2.30. And I would, from then on, like I would go straight to Gilbert. And practice would start to like, I think it was 3.30 or 3.45. So I had the last hour of the day where I'd go meet with our runners in study hall and go over you know, go over previous race performances, growth over the year, setting goals. It was awesome. It was a great time. What would you rank your level of intellect in the coaching realm of runners at that time? Oh, man. Very, very limited. And that wasn't really... My goal was just to establish rapport with the runner. Because I knew, I knew I didn't have that knowledge base of running. And I knew I was going to leave that to Coach Thomas. And Coach Thomas was going to pour into me Give me all the resources and he did. He gave me books. He gave me podcasts to listen to. He gave me articles to read. He was great. He filled me in. I was always asking a ton of questions. There probably wasn't a day where I didn't have my notepad out taking notes, just asking him questions. Why are we doing this workout? What are the benefits of it? Like, what are we doing next kind of thing? And just trying to be a sponge and absorb all I could. Um, so really, I was trying to bring to the table just being a, a role model, connecting with kids, 
helping out where I could, being more than just a coach of the stopwatch. Right. What was the next step after Gilbert? Like you were only there for, was it a year and then you bounced or two years? Um, yeah, we'll do three springs and oh. two falcons. So, so when I graduated Iowa State, obviously I needed to go get a big boy job, right? So I had to go, I had to go take a teaching job. So I got a job teaching in Pella, which we both know is another strong running school, cross country and track. And it, and Coach Thomas knew the Pella staff very well because it's a 3A school. So kind of got me connected there with those with that staff and coached cross country and track there at the middle school um, as a paid staff member, but also volunteer on the high school staff as well for cross country and track. So when I wasn't having middle school practice or when the middle school season was over, I went to the high school practices and same thing happened for track too. At that point, were you a little bit more confident in your abilities to coach more so like solo or you were still like early in your infancy of like a, a knowledgeable coach and how were you learning that way definitely still in my infancy but that was when i was going through so that year i was at pella i studied and got my cscs exam so a certified transitioning specialist got my usaw so usa weightlifting or certification and also got my usatf so i was super into just as much professional growth as i could get but also being on that Pella staff was extremely humbling. They have more experience on in, in, in any given staff that I could ever think of. I mean, those people, they live and breathe track. Most of them have coached all levels from youth to college, everything in between. And they do a bunch of professional development, you know, a bunch of Altus courses. They're all super into, you know, books, podcasts, reading, bringing back as many ideas as they could, sitting down after every practice and going over things like, well, well, what didn't go well, where are we going to go to next? I mean, it was just all in our professional development. So yeah, very humbling experience there. Uh, I just, again, just trying to be a sponge and take, take it all in. It's sort of interesting. You're going from Gilbert to Pella, kind of two sort of rival school. Rivals. You're right. Big rivals. Yeah. What was it like? I mean, maybe you can't share, but what was it like going from Gilbert to Pella and the environment shift? Was it kind of, I don't know, was it challenging to go from that? And then what'd you learn? that was different from coach Thomas to the Pella coach there? A question. I would say Pella is, there's a lot more hands in the kitchen. There's a lot of coaches on staff, tons of coaches on staff. And, and they all do a really good job complimenting each other. And they all have their own individual strengths. Um, Gilbert was very much, and they're both very big on, on culture. Right. And, but Pella was super, super big on what I learned there, which is a lot of the little things, tons of general strength work, um, everything from, you know, lunge matrix to, to foot prep and shin prep and, and all the strength conditioning, the speed and agility, the injury resiliency and injury mitigation, super big into that. And, and if you knew the staff, you, w- you wouldn't be surprised with how much information that's just going around in their heads. You wouldn't be surprised with all the little things that they do at such a high level. It's kind of, I mean, at least for a small one eight kid, I, I hear that and I'm like, that's that's happening in high school <laughs> this is happening right. in in iowa high school like i'm competing against these people on the blue oval how is this fair did you grow up in a small <laughs> sure. school? So do you know anything different than just like larger school mentality and the resources there i'm, I'm kind of interested yeah. to hear if like that's across the board the research resources that people get or is that kind of just nuanced to some of the better programs I would say it's pretty nuanced. Uh, myself, I grew up at a 4A school. I went to Marshtown High School. Uh, if you know anything about the Marshtown or Marshtown, distance running used to be king. 
I mean, it was it was a it was a factory for many many years. Man, they had kids going fifteen O's before kids were going fifteen O's. I mean, it was <laughs> it was. I mean, this the state record was held by two or three Marshall guys that that went fifteen O on different years. I mean, it was just it was outstanding. You know, year after year, four by eights, seven fifties, and eight minute flats. You know, every we had, I remember my freshman year. We'd have, we had to have a runoff for, for the four by eight because we had too many guys that could break two minutes. I mean, it was just, it was just ridiculous. <laughs> like, what, what a problem to have. Um, it was just been really fortunate to always be around this really good track and cross country coaches, like at the highest level in Iowa high school, for sure. And then after Pella, what was the next step from there? Yeah. So then I took the job at Centennial High School here in Ankeny. Um, so when I was teaching at Pella, I taught elementary, pre-K to third grade. So extremely young kids. And I love it. It was every day you're an absolute rock star, which is which is, which is really fun. Um, but I knew I wanted to teach high school because I was coaching high school and I had been coaching high school for a number of years. So I took the job at Centennial High School and we're 10 through 12. So I literally went from third graders to be my oldest kids to be to having 12th graders. I skipped everything in between. Um, and so that was that was really the only reason why. Um, I loved Pella, loved my time at Pella, still really connected to everybody there and Gilbert as well. But I knew I wanted to teach at the high school level and be more towards the metro. Yeah. I mean, you're teaching pre-K to third grade. Like, who's the, who's the big guy with muscles? When you're teaching, like, someone young, like, it's not super common to have a male teacher there. So I bet they thought you were yeah, like, I, I was one of, I was one of two male, uh, two male teachers in the building. That's crazy. Yeah. And then you you go to practice and it's like a completely different yeah. You've got to change your whole like approach <laughs> to people now. Right. So right. did you like that transition? I guess it's pretty steep from like teaching super young into now like the oldest you can teach in high school. Yeah, it's it's just different. At the elementary level, there's no real motivation factors uh <laughs> with kids coming to PE. Every kid loves PE at the elementary level. Um, so we have that high school a little bit, but we don't have that too much at Centennial High School. Most kids are pretty motivated and, and do really well in class. But again, I just knew I wanted to be with high school students because I wanted to be closer to my athletes on a more regular basis, um, whether it's cross-country track or strength conditioning. And right away, did you get the position as distance coach at Ankeny? Well, so I, right away, I got the position as assistant on the cross-country staff. Um, and then I joined the girls track staff as a distance assistant uh, my first year. And I was on the girls track staff for three years before moving over to the boys staff where my first year I coached long jump. And then the second year, last, which was last year, I moved over to the head distance position. And so I've always, I've always coached long jump. Ever since I got into coaching, like in 2015, Gilbert Middle School, I've coached long jump every year. So last year is my first year not coaching long jump. Do you think that's mainly because you're more of a strength power-based guy like you know the explosive side of it or why is that no yes yeah, a good question uh people have asked that before so at a smaller staff like gilbert you, you have less coaches so you know it was aaron thomas coaching the long jump because you you could send the distance kids on a you know a run you know <laughs> however mi- however many miles they need to go and then you can just stay back or a long jump kids it just kind of worked out like that and so and then same thing, you know, kind of, kind of at Pella, but we were a bigger staff because Pella is one program, boys and girls kind of shared. When I got to Centennial, the long jump coach left, and so I kind of just parlayed into that position as well. And then same thing when I moved over to the boys' side, the long jump coach left, so that kind of made the opening for me. Right. I'm, I'm sort of interested, we can kind of transition here into how you got in contact with Ben, and it seems to me as as you're talking, your demeanor here is, 
you're not above anyone else. Like you can always learn something from other people. And it seems like you did that with the Gilbert coach. You did that with the Pella coach and you're, you're continuing to do that. You're trying to find people who maybe are more experienced, have a little bit more time or whatever in this yeah. sport. And you're just a sponge ready to soak up any information. I really respect that. Like it's a meaner that people have that they're not so egotistical that they just know everything and they can't learn anything because then you're stuck. You're stuck in your old ways. Well, it seemed as though you were trying to look for someone else to gain some more knowledge. How did you find Accelerate? How did you meet Ben? I'm trying to think what brought me to Accelerate first, but I've known Ben since I was at Gilbert um, because at that time he was at Carlisle. So we'd see, we'd see them at meets. Um, we would just, you know, have, you know, passing conversations like coaches will. And then it wasn't probably until one of the years I was at Gilbert, there was a, there's a conference at North Polk high school, a track conference and Ben presented. And I stayed after and asked him some questions. Uh, I think we probably shot each other a follow on social media and I would, you know, shoot him a DM asking him some questions, um, over the, over the years. And then it would have been goodness COVID. I think when Ben started to accelerate, wasn't it? Yeah. And yep. then, uh, I hopped on the podcast and maybe I was his second or third guest on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of where the relationship, you know, really started with me and Ben having more conversations, you know, meeting up, having conversations about training, me going into the facility, bringing some guys in. Um, and now it's like, we got to come up with some title. Now I got some, some weird role where I go in and just fight, you know, coach a class, you know, or something like, you know, fill in for testing. If someone can't come in, I'm doing the testing. So, we gotta come up with some weird. We gotta come. We gotta come up with some like, yeah, um, performance liaison or something. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. Yeah, we need a name tag or something. Interesting. I didn't even know that you came coming in and do like testing when. Yep. Yep. Every once in a while, not very often. Just kind of when uh, someone can't be there or they need another hand there because it's got a you know decent lot of kids kind of coming through the facility. Yeah, Ben needs to keep me filled in on these things. That's that's cool. I liked it. So. You met Ben just in passing from you know coaching meetings yep. and just different meets and stuff. What was interesting to you about the program and why did it seem something you wanted to look into further? Yeah, so no one no no one's doing this, right? No one's doing lactate tests on athletes, putting it into a system, analyzing the data. And I'm a data junkie. I, I get my own blood work done um, just for fun, just to look at the numbers, see what I can improve. Um, like you, it sounds like when I when I hear you speak, you talk about Andrew Huberman and these people you take information from. You're a you're a biohacking junkie, and I am too. Like I love to learn all that stuff. I got my blue light glasses right here. It's, it's seven thirty. Yeah. I I usually put them on at seven thirty. So we can, I need to put them on here. So just back to your question, that was just doing something revolutionary. It still is because no one's really doing it, and so I just wanted to kind of be in his circle to learn as much as I could because the success is speaking for itself too. The success of all the success of all the accelerate athletes year after year, you see the numbers. It just it's why not? Like why not see what you can take from Ben and add it to your program? And I have nothing but success, like on a grand scale that we've seen here. And and like I know we'll probably get into it, but just just this year across country we had eight kid nine eight or nine kids break seventeen. Any of the best, the best we've ever had was six, and that was in 2018, where all the three kids PR PR on the same course. So probably a short course, right? <laughs> so, so if we take that year out, the previous best we had was four. So we went from four kids under 17 in one given year. Now we have eight. Um, same same thing for kids under 18. We had this year 14. Our previous best was eight, and we had 14 this year. And I mean just. Same thing in track. We had last year we had 10 kids under five minutes in track. I think our best before that was maybe five or six under five minutes in, in the mile. So I mean it's working. 
Yeah. I am interested in what information you're able to glean from that. You go in, you get a couple of kids tested. What have you learned and what have you implemented to make, matter, make I mean, data is cool. But if you do yeah. nothing with it, what's it matter? Like you can get your blood work done to look at and, you know, hang on the wall or something, but kind of dumb. <laughs> you don't do anything with it. Yeah. So what have you done with that or what have you learned? So it's kind of two things. Like, well, the first is just understanding, and I'm still learning it like, every day. I'm starting to figure out a little bit more. Uh, VO2 max and VLA max. And we, you, you, you listeners watch or listen to this podcast, they hear those terms thrown around all the time, which is great. Uh, but now being able to understand the importance of that and maybe which athletes suit, suit certain training styles better. So if you're a 32, 1600 meter athlete, perhaps lowering that VLA, VLA max a bit might do you some good. Or if you're a younger athlete or a speed power athlete, developing that VO2 max and getting that VO2 max up would be would do some good. The second thing would be like a checks and balances. So the athletes that I do bring in, it's a nice way to check and balance my own training that what I'm doing, like, okay, we did this, this training, saying we did, you know, a bunch of threshold stuff and it gave us this result. Is it the result that I wanted to get? Yes or no. And I know I from there I can do some checks and balances. Like this year we had a athlete, he was doing great first two meets, he went 15, 13, 15, 14. And it was those two meets. Ben and I had a conversation. It was like, okay, keep doing what you're doing. Cause things are clearly going in the right direction. Season went on. It went well. Uh, maybe not as, as, as well as we would hoped it would get, was going to be three days after the, three days after the state meet got tested again. VLA was down to 0.2. Just so just absolutely. So just absolutely tanked, like had no, had no power to um, get himself to the line any faster than we did and kind of start kind of Late in the season, it was 15, 20, 15, 30 range, which, which makes sense. We did, we did, we kept doing what we were doing. So up to that point, we're doing a lot of threshold stuff. So we just kept it rolling because at the beginning of the season, it was looking great. In hindsight, probably then probably should have had a, a, a transition of, you know, five, six, eight weeks of some VO2 stuff because yeah, we, start, we were starting to lose that VLA. You thought you were training more of like Norwegian model yeah. and it was working so well. And then later in the season you're like okay maybe it should have been more so lydiard like you had the yeah. base you probably yeah. should have spent six eight weeks to peak up like vla a little yeah. bit exactly more vl soon like it's just something that you're gonna have to live and learn you have to yeah. unless you get tested in the middle of the season or something but right. it's hard to do around meets and stuff it's not yeah. very feasible right. but one thing i get a lot is coaches are like yeah okay you've got these two metrics which we test for a bunch of different metrics not just vo2 and vla but you're like okay I can sort of guess what my athlete's at, like kind of say, oh yeah, he probably needs to lower his VLA or this one needs to raise his VLA. I can just guess based on their PRs. Is there any athletes that you have that you kind of have been caught off guard with their data and you're just like, okay, I would not have known that unless I got in and got them tested? Oh, absolutely. So like the second athlete I have in mind here in the summer, like August, August 12th, he tested VO2 max was... I think 68, 69. Um, and I couldn't recall, I got it somewhere. Couldn't real quick recall what his uh, VLA, VLA was. Went through the cross season pretty steadily the same time kind of throughout the season. Big PR first meet, like 40, 50 second PR first meet. And it kind of just stayed there the rest of the season, which was great, but we would have loved to have seen him improve. Got him tested postseason. VO2 max shot up like six points. He was now at 76. He was at 76, so like seven points. Um, and his VLA went to 0.5. So maybe now more of a miler. Now that his VLA is up to point, it was like 0.54. So maybe more of a miler. Well, did a mile, did a, did a, did the 
final test for uh, VO2 max on the treadmill, right? And he ran a 428 mile, which is a 12 second PR for him, which in seeing the data and his VLA, VLA that high at 0.5 makes sense. Right. And it's something that you probably wouldn't have guessed unless no, no, got no, and got tested. No, never, never would have, never would have thought. Of. So training wise, as a high school coach, you don't have the luxury of giving every person individualized workouts and stuff. They can't just like, can't have 12 different workouts um, every day. So how do you navigate that with individualized runners? You know, you can't just give workouts to every single person. How do you navigate that aspect of it? Yeah. Yeah. So I have four training groups and it's kind of, ba- there's a couple of different criteria that had to follow under. So there, there's mileage, there's training age, and there's ability level, skill level, injury history, and then event group that they're going to fall into. So like group, like group number one for me, what the numbers are arbitrary, but group number one is what I call them. There was, that's my highest mileage group. Those are seniors that mid training seniors must be a senior training year round, winter and, and summer, uh, primarily a 1632 guy in no injury history. And I have very few kids in that group. The next group is our group two, they're juniors, seniors running year round. And they're more of our 1632 and maybe 800 guy, um, Group three is sophomores or juniors and seniors that don't have year-round training. Maybe they're a basketball kid um, or just kind of inconsistent in the off-season times. And those are our 1,600, 800, 400 guys. And then the last group, group four, those are our new kids, freshmen, uh, perhaps injury history or lower ability level. And then so based on those four groups, the groups one and two, they see a bit more of a Norwegian model. Groups three and four see a bit more of, I guess, more VO2 max work. Um, and then obviously everybody gets their own paces and stuff like that with our pace charts. So that's that's really how we try to individualize it um, as best you can with a cross-country team of 60 to 80 kids and a track team with, I don't know, we got probably 40, 45 distance kids. Do you get any kickback for some of the seniors that might be in group like three or two or three and they're like, ah, wish I was in group one. Like my coach doesn't believe in me. Do you get yeah. any kickback and how do you deal with that? Great question. Um, no, and not, not a, not a single time, not a single time, which has been great. And I think the kids, the kids are just really bought in, which is phenomenal. I think they see the success we've had in recent years with some of the training changes that we've made, um, through conversations like you and I are having and you and you or me and Ben have just the success it's brought and no pushback at all. They, I honestly, I got to grain kids in because kids, they want to do more, which is a good problem to have, but no, no pushback on, Hey, you're in this training group. A lot of kids, if they're, if they're unsure which training group they're in, we have a conversation, but it's pretty straightforward when they look at our Google spreadsheet where they fall. It's been great. Sort of a harsh transition here, but I'm interested as a strength coach native, how do you incorporate strength work resistance training into your distance armors? Good question. So it's really just try to get as many of them in my strength class as we can. They don't all take our strength class. They have a full schedule with all the AP classes under the sun and everything else going on, uh, other club activities. So they're not all in my strength class, but it's very foundational. We focus on primary movement patterns, like a push pattern, pull pattern, hinge pattern, a squat pattern. That's really the essence of it. That's that's the foundation of our strength program for those athletes and really for a lot of our athletes. Um, besides that, we do a lot of general strength stuff. 
um, in and after practice as far as like lunge matrix, hurdle ability, mortality. We have a barefoot routine for like shin and foot health. Goodness, the guys are probably going to make fun of me forgetting. Forget. We have a couple of routines we run through as well. An ankle band routine for hip strength, a bunch of core exercises that we have a core routine we do every single day. It's different for the, each day um, that covers different, part, different parts of the core. Bang. Yeah, a little bit more extensive than what we had at St. Ansgar. No, no shade, but <laughs> yeah, maybe a bit. As we're nearing the end here, is there any like standout success stories that you've had with training, you know, with Ben and with getting the testing from Accelerate? I would say it would just be systemic for our program. And we touched on it a bit, like seeing the numbers. I set a goal this year to get eight kids under 17 and we got eight. We had a few more that were 1701, 1703, and 1705. So they're they're all right there too. If they would have had one more meet, they would have they would have brought us to you know ten or eleven kids, which would have been great. And so seeing that and seeing the a number of kids that are under sixteen, under thirty, or under or sorry, under five minutes in the sixteen, under ten minutes or ten thirty and thirty two thirty two, those are the success stories I think are worth it for me and really show the success of really what Accelerate can do as far as testing and and seeing where you're at and what changes need to be made. I want to know as a coach, I ask this question to a lot of athletes, but as a coach talking to other coaches, what's one piece of advice? Some people might roll their eyes because you haven't been in the coaching game as, as long as other people, but yeah, one piece of advice to other coaches that would have changed your trajectory as a coach. I know you've had a pretty good one, but that you think would be beneficial to other coaches. Hmm. It's probably going to sound cliche, but I was thinking growth over perfection. Mm. And I still get caught up in this. I'll get caught up on, and you know, sending something out because I want it to be perfect. I want to be perfect. And I, in, instead of like, just like roll with it and making ad- adaptations as we go, whether it's a simple Google spreadsheet that I'm sending out to kids, I get really caught up in, perfect, in perfectionism. The second thing would just be consistent, consistently learning. There's seasons that I go in with, where I'll like really dive into a certain topic whether it's you know cross country related, track related, leadership related, I go in different seasons and I do that pretty intentionally. Um, so like right now in the winter, like this is my this is my time to really dive into cross country and track, like information and knowledge. And so I would say that would be the biggest thing: just consistently learning, seek out others, finding mentors, whether it's formal or informal. That's been a game changer for me. I still try to stay connected to all the people that pour into me. Um, and I'm a very sociable person. I'll connect with anybody. Um, but there's, I have a handful of coaches that I'm always meeting with every off season just to talk shop, exchange notes, see what was working for them. What can I take from them? Even if it's just a little nugget, even if it's something as simple as like a daily check-in, you know, just something I could take from their program or like I, I met with a coach last winter and she does a phenomenal job coaching distance athletes. And she just gave me an example of like uh, a goal setting chart and you use different color stickers for different levels of goals. And I was like, Brilliant. And my kids loved it this past spring. And I'm going to keep that going for the foreseeable future. I think a lot of coaches can take something away from that. As a coach myself, I think at the beginning of the month, I sit in front of my sheet that I'm planning like workouts with. I'm like, okay, what's the absolute best way I could put this workout together? And I'll sit there for probably 12 minutes or whatever, just like looking at this blank sheet, like where should I even start? And I think the perform or growth over per- perfection can honestly kind of like get you started. Like, obviously we all want to be perfect. We all want to like do our best. Like I I see a lot of your Instagram posts and you're always just like, I want to be the best version of myself. But Mm -hmm. then you just said growth over performance. 
how can you toe the line of both of those different avenues to not you know overstep one another because they're they're both true right but to what extent right i think it's always always finding a balance and sometimes you might go over the red line and you might see some repercussions from that um, and i definitely have in like my personal life you know where you're going you're going too far into the coaching realm going you know if, you can only give so much right and if you're if you're pouring more in one bucket something's getting poured out of something else and i think that'd be having yourself a checks and balance system. Mike, if people wanted to ask you questions, what's a, a good way for them to reach out to you? <laughs> it's hard to say social media because I deleted it all. Um, <laughs> my, my account, my accounts are still there and I post, you know, I'll, I'll download and post every once in a while. Uh, I would say shoot me an email in my personal email. So M G-E-T-T-E-M-Y at gmail.com or they can simply shoot me a text. I'll not offer, I mean, I'll give out my phone number to anybody. So it's 641-751-1457. That might have been a mistake, dude. <laughs> might not have wanted to do that. <laughs> I'll, I'll put right. all that information in this description and we'll tag your Instagram uh, and stuff on ours. So people will be able Perfect. to find you hopefully if they have questions. But I really appreciate your time today. I think you spit a lot of, of good wisdom and I hope people took notes. I, I appreciate your time. Yeah, you've been having a lot of great guests on the podcast. And I'm just happy to contribute. I hope you found this conversation with Mike Getemi as inspiring as I did. I think it's kind of cool to hear a boots on the ground story of a coach here in Iowa and how they're able to use our services to not change any philosophy or anything, but just work alongside of the existing coaching philosophy, the existing coaching mentality to help the athletes have the best training plan possible, achieve their goals, and hopefully someday make it to the next level. I'm excited to watch this partnership unfold and see Ankeny Centennial's performances keep getting better and more impressive over the years. So stay tuned for that. If you want to learn more about Mike's coaching journey, Accelerate, or if you have any questions or comments on today's episode, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out to us on social media channels. I think Instagram's the best one to do that. So go over to Instagram, drop a follow, and let us know if you have questions, or visit our website, and we'll be in the description of this episode. Don't don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to stay updated on future episodes and leave a five-star review if you enjoyed it. Those reviews help me bring more experts on the show to share their insights with you. As always, I appreciate your time and attention. Until next time, thanks for listening to the Accelerate Performance Lab podcast.